growing up, I always wanted to see more people who look like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast, hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. Welcome to the Make Your Mark talk show. My name is Kim Niles, and I'm going to be your host for today. So we are now embarking on our second episode now that we have gone virtual. And we have a legend that we're going to be literally presenting to you today. We have Mr. Wesley Williams, better known as Maestro or Maestro Fresh Wes, a Canadian rapper, record producer, actor, and author one of the earliest Canadian rappers to achieve mainstream success. He is credited as the godfather of Canadian hip-hop. Wes, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Honored to be here. We finally made it happen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you are a super powerful speaker, so I am so excited just for you to even fill me up today. So... Wes, I mean, I just gave them a little bit, like a snippet about you. You're going to do a much better job telling our audience how this all started with you embarking and being the godfather of Canadian hip hop. Um, I mean, I was born in Toronto, raised in Toronto. I grew up listening to different genres of music. My parents are from Guyana. They came here like in 1967. Um, and yeah, like my dad listened to jazz, soca, uh, reggae, funk, whatever. He, he was the one bringing me music, bringing music to us. And from that, you know, I had a music background just from being in the house. And, but when I heard hip hop, that, that just changed everything for me. It seemed like I could be a part of this too, as well. My dad bought a record called, uh, Rapper's Delight by Sugar Hill Gang. He bought Curtis Blow the Breaks. He bought The Message. He brought another record, which really, really blew my mind called Super Rhymes. Super Rhymes was ill, you know, this guy wouldn't stop rhyming. And I'm like, wow, maybe I could do this. And by the time I got into like grade nine and 10, I'm like, you know what? Hip hop was emerging. And I'm like, you know, I tried my break dancing because all the break dance, the girls were loving the break dancers. So I tried, let me try this head spin thing. It didn't work out too good for me. You know what I'm saying? I fell flat on my face a couple of times. I wasn't looking too sexy, you know, but I started working on my rhymes. Girls started feeling me. The confidence started building. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Let me try a thing, you know? So I always had a hard time, like, staying on beat. Like, my, you know, my friends who were DJs and stuff were always encouraging me to improve. But, like, something was special about my, like, the writing part of it, which I appreciate. So from that, oh, I also want to thank my teachers. I had a teacher. I used to go to St. Timothy's um, Elementary School, which is uh, Don Mills and Shepard. My fourth grade teacher, her name was Miss Toner. I do not know why Miss Toner picked me to do public speaking, but I learned from a young age, it's okay to be nervous while speaking in front of people, you know? So I, I, I thank my teacher for that, you know? And my sixth grade teacher at uh, Our Lady Good Counselor, her name was Miss Hickey. 
and we did creative writing in a part of English. And that's what inspired me to, um, you know, be creative, you know, like write songs, write stories. And I'm putting those two um, skills together. Those are my, in my formative years, what really helped me. So as part of my dad, as well, you know, giving me, introduced me to hip hop with records. I got to thank those two teachers who did a major impact, made a major impact on me. So, but moving forward, high school, you know, I performed at a high school dance at Senator O'Connor. They had strobe lights back then. People said I was nice, man. I was nice. And then a friend of mine's brother, Joey Lacacci, took me to a radio station called CKLN 88.1, man. And that changed my life right there because that's when Ron Nelson, who's like the, the pioneer to me, he's like the godfather of Canadian hip hop. But Ryerson, you know, he put me on a radio station. And um, I left and he was like, I heard him as I was leaving because my rap name used to be Melody MC. And he said, yo, man, this, that, this Melody MC, he's only 15 and damn, he's good. And that just gave me the confidence to like, yo, you know, do you heard what this man said? He said, I'm good. So that, that was like the fuel right there, Kim. That was the fuel for me to continue doing my thing. And then years later, when it came to doing like, like opening up for, you know, doing concerts and stuff. Ron Nelson moved from being just a, a DJ on a radio station at, at Ryerson University to producing uh, concerts. He was a concert promoter and he was there again. And like a lot of the first things I did in terms of opening up for acts from New York, Ron Nelson was always a part of that, too. So, you know, that's my start, man. That's my start. And then but people told me I was dreaming. They said, you want to be, you know, be a hip hop artist coming out of Canada. This has never happened, man. You're dreaming, you're wasting your time. But I'm the type of person, Kim, if I believe I can make something happen, um, I do my best to, to make it happen. So I kept on pushing forth and forward. You know, me and my man Farley Flex, we went to New York City to drop off my demo tapes. We tried Canadian labels, but they weren't really feeling me. Um, back like in 88, them times, they weren't really liking what I was doing. Um, so we went to New York and Nobody was getting at me, man. So I felt I felt like, you know what? At least I tried, man. You know, maybe people were right, but at least I tried. And I didn't just sit around and twiddle my thumbs. But then I performed in a show called um, Electric Circus, which was on Much Music. And this was the second time I was on. I didn't want to go on the second time because I thought it was kind of whack. Um, but I'm glad I went back on because, you know, Stevie B just so happened to be visiting Toronto. And Stevie B was like, he's like an old school uh pop artist, man, like dance music artist from the States. And then he heard me spit and he was like, wow, man, we were about to sign to a label called Eureka Records, which is a tiny label out of Toronto. Cause I was just sick and tired. Like my mom's dissing me thinking I'm wasting my life. Cause you know, we, we got West Indian parents, man, you know how, how they could be. Right. So my mom's was like hating on me hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> she was hating on me. My dad was all right, but my mom's, oh my goodness. She was hating hard, you know? So but when I performed, um, Stevie B was like, listen, man, you guys are great. And he gave us information to his label that he was on LMR Records. And the song that he heard me perform for the first time was a song called Let Your Backbone Slide. And that's what changed the game right there for Canadian hip hop, because I'm proud to say that Let Your Backbone Slide is the first single from a Canadian hip hop artist to ever go gold. And um, that was like the game changer right there. And um, you know, it recently just got inducted in the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. So that just happened a few months ago. So I'm the first hip hop artist ever inducted in the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. So to me, it's like, I got a slogan, don't make records, man. I tell artists all the time, 
don't make records, make history. Because anybody can make a record by making histories when you do something or you say something that people check for you years and years and years later. So going into anything you do, don't strive to be good at it. Strive for greatness. And a lot of times, you know, when I was coming up, I wasn't that good at it. Um, but I, I, I kept on working harder than everybody else, you know. And by the time that opportunity came, I was ready, you know. So then, you know, things started developing and um, let your backbone slide. Um, like I said, went gold. And then the Juno committee decided to implement a brand new category called the best rap recording of the year, where my album was the first recipient of that. The year prior to that, 89, I was nominated and I was excited. I'm like, wow, man, I just wanted girls to like me. This, this is crazy. You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> this is crazy. You know, I performed there. You know, we didn't win. And I thought maybe that's like a glass ceiling. Yeah, that's as far as we could go. Because, you know, in the background, you hear the hecklers, man. You hear people heckling. Like, you know, this ain't going to happen. You know, a lot of people hating. But then the older I get, Kim, I realize the biggest haters is ourselves, man. We're the ones who hate on ourselves the most. We're the ones who put that self-doubt in ourselves the most. You know, so like I said, I didn't win the first year. But then the next year, the Junos felt that hip hop is so big in Canada that we have to have like a category called the best rap recording of the year. And, you know, I won that. And um, I feel the rest is history from there. You know, things started coming up. Uh, you know, I was on radio mainstream. You know, I'm one of the main reasons why every major record company developed black music departments across Canada. And I don't care if it's Sony, BMG, Virgin, Universal, what have you. I'm the, one of the main reasons why they developed black music department because before me, there was, you know, shout out to the Dream Warriors and shout out to Mishy Me. Those were like my measuring sticks. Um, Mishy Me's from the West End, Dream Warriors as well. Um, those were like my motivating factors right there as well. But in terms of having like, like mainstream Canadian hit, um, I, I guess I was that guy. And it just came from a lot of work. It came from falling down a lot of times. Um, I remember like back in the days when, you know, I go to New York, drop off my demo tape, labels was feeling me. Then I'd open my, the mailbox. I'm all excited because I see a letter from Priority Records or Profile Records. Man, I open that letter and it says, thanks for dropping off your demo tape. But unfortunately, we're not interested in your music. And it's just like, ouch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just think of times like when I just got deflated, man, you know? And, and to me, it was like, maybe something's wrong with me, but I'm the type of person, if I believe I can make something happen, I'm going to make it happen. You know, so so I just want to let people know nothing happens overnight like that. But, you know, respect. Great story. And I mean, there's so much levels of resilience in there. Uh, there's so much, you know, times you got like you, I couldn't imagine what it's like dropping off your record or your tape at that time. And then you get a letter back saying thanks, but we're not interested. So we're going to get into that a little bit later. But. Wes, what would you say your biggest accomplishment is? Because you've had so many accomplishments. Which one really resonates with you? Accomplishments? I don't know. Because to me, to be honest, I do my thing and I keep it moving because I don't want to lie on my laurels like, okay, I did this. I'm great. Let me just sit right here and just sit within my greatness. To me, it's always like, you know, you, you keep it moving, you know, so. I'm proud of what I've done or whatever like that. But to me, I always wanted to keep it moving. So, I mean, I'm proud to be like a trailblazer here in my country, where I was born and raised my city, definitely Toronto. I'm proud of that. Um, 
the accolades are cool, man. They're made of acrylic or they're made of wood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, to know that I made an impact on my community, that's a, a major accomplishment to me. Where let me know that, you know, growing up, I made a certain impact on their lives. You know, that to me, that's you can't put a price on that, man. You can't put a price on that. So I think that's one of my most um, favorite accomplishments that my community has let me know that um, I've done something noteworthy, you know, and we're only here for a minute. But how much impact are we going to make on our community as we go forth and forward? Like I said, these plaques are cool. I'm proud. I'm proud of them. I just started putting these up in a while recently. Like I had friends be like, come on, Wes, you can't keep all them things in storage, you know, put them up, man, you know. And yeah, you put them up and, and I'm out of what I've done. But to me, it's like, you know, it's like you, you, you know, you get to one level of, of stuff that you're doing, Kim, and it's like, okay, you pat yourself on the back. Okay, on to the next. You feel me? But sometimes it's good to like reflect on your true greatness. And, and I think that um, when my community lets me know the impact that I've made throughout the years, that's, you can't put a price on that, man. So, how did, it make, how did it make you feel the first show that you had and you showed up and you saw, you looked at the audience and it was a sold out event? How did that, what was that feeling like? It was like an out of body experience because there was no real um, point of reference before that. You see what I'm saying? So, I did a slout thing at Square One Mall back in like 89, man. I was supposed to sign autographs to a tune and they had to lock off the whole mall. And that was like, wow, that was like something that Canada's never seen before for black music at all. So that feeling was like an outer body experience. I was numb because I didn't know how to um, act enough like that. Because when you look at our American counterparts, there's always been like black music in America. You know what I'm saying? Before LL Cool J was with Def Jam, there was Motown. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or Motown, there was chess records. Like in America, there's like points of reference. In Canada here, there was in Toronto, especially, Scarborough, where I'm from, there was no reference point. So it was like an out-of-body experience. I was numb. A lot of people was giving me love. A lot of people was like, didn't know how to give love because they never knew how to, they never seen anything like that before. So, but you got to remember, and back in those days, the only reference point we had was Ben Johnson. And that's, that's somebody I look up to. I used to go to Lamaru, um High School, and I remember Ben Johnson, who, for, for those listening who don't know who that is, Ben Johnson was the fastest man in the world, man. He was straight out of Toronto, and I remember back in the days, he used to come visit my high school because he had a girl that used to, to go to the school. So when Ben Johnson would come around and be like, the God is, is, is through you, you. And Lamaru had something called a market square. So as soon as you come through, the man them is just hanging around and they're watching everybody coming in so when ben johnson would come in it was like and this is before the olympics this is before the olympics he was just the don dada because it's like lamaru's sports school so when ben johnson came through i'll never forget he was rocking edwin's edwin jeans i was fresh back then he's rocking the edwin's i think he's rocking like some penny loafers but he looked fresh you know what i'm saying and the mask like all these young track men were just swarm like he was our first star man first generation Black Canadian slash West Indian, you know, because he was Jamaican and he's going to be in the Olympics, man. And then when he beat Carl Lewis, oh, my goodness, man. I don't think anybody could, could fathom the magnitude of how, how, how we felt to see this brother be on the world stage, man, and doing what he did. That was like 
tears of joy, man, to see Ben do his thing. And then, like, a week after, there was, like, uh, an alleged, like, steroids um, controversy where it was, like, nothing of the man was taking steroids. And then he would, then they stripped him of his medal. And just to see even, like, my mom's face, man, just to see the, like, we all felt deflated, man. See that happen. It was, like, the first time ever a brother from Toronto in our generation actually was number one on the world stage, man. And it was just for a minute. And they were already making, like, Ben Johnson statues, man. I remember that. I'm like, wow, you know? And then it's like, it just broke a lot of people's heart. Like, I, I still rock with him. That's my man till I, till I die, you know? But it was just how the media blew him up, and all of a sudden it was like Jamaican-born athlete Ben Johnson. You know, it was like, ouch. Just a minute ago, it was proud. He was Canadian. And I just watched all that, Kim. I was just watching that. And then when, when my album came out the very next year, 1989, I'm the first hip-hop artist to ever go gold in Canada. And, and it's like the only reference point we have is like, well, Ben Johnson the year before. So I remember being in church with my moms one time, my folks. And this little girl asked me for my autograph. And I felt awkward signing my autograph in church. But I did it anyway because I wanted to make her feel happy. And then I'll never forget this, man. Her father whispered in my ear these words. And I'll never forget it. The man said, yo, just don't mess this up, brother. <laughs> and I will never forget that. Up to now, I never forgot that. Because I know what he meant. My interpretation of what he meant was, you know, there's not too many of us shining. You got your community looking up to you, man. Don't mess this up for us, man. Don't mess this up. And I never forgot that. That's why you never see my name in foolishness, man. I've always done my best to stay out of, like, like gazy type things. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll never forget that. Because, one, I never want to embarrass my folks. And now that I'm grown, I don't want to embarrass my youth. You see what I'm saying? So I move, like, a certain way. But I'll never forget that man telling me that in my ear. Because at that specific point, Back in like 88, them times, 89, there was only one reference point to look at in terms of anybody. And then I came from a music perspective. There was nobody to look at at that level. You know, yes, there was other artists, but nobody had had to jump off like that at the time, you know, and and I wasn't trying to mess it up for nobody. You know, so there was pressure with that, but I knew what was up and I knew what I knew. God blessed me and, and the most High put me here for a reason. Because he knew I could handle this. So, you know, less. Okay. Wow. Woo. No pressure there, especially with having that, right? Like, the only one after a situation like that happened with Ben Johnson. Like, that's crazy. So, Wes, I mean, you shared such an amazing journey in, in terms of how you evolved, you came to be. Um, and what I what really stuck with me through this conversation is the fact of, you know, when Ron Nelson said, said to you that you can, like, you're, you're, you can do it. You, you're it. And you were just, you never forgot that. And that never left you. And that was kind of like your first point of contact. So that is amazing. And I feel that, you know, it's really, it continues to shape who you are today and you're, you're grounded and you're rooted. And it's, it's very clear that we can hear that. And it's still in you, even though you continue to grow and you continue to evolve. So we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Looking to consolidate your debt in the market to purchase your first home? Interested in acquiring an investment property? Look no further. More Freedom is here to serve you. 
We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Want More Freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. Hello, and welcome back to the Make Your Mark talk show. We are having a great conversation today with a Canadian legend, Wesley Williams, a.k.a. Maestro Fresh Wes. Wes, you've been dropping some gems. Like, you've been dropping some gems. You've got me introspectively like, ooh, yeah, I felt that way before. So now we're going to take a bit of a turn. And I'm sure you've shared a little bit of this in the beginning, how, you know, you would drop your tapes off. You actually had to cross the border and to seek out companies because Canadians at that time, we just weren't there yet. So I want you to tell us about a time where you just felt like, you know what? I don't want to do music anymore. I want to get like, I don't want to do it. It's not for me. Yeah, I remember um, there was a movie called uh, Hurricane starring Denzel Washington, where where, uh, he played uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter, um, the boxer, um, rest in peace. But uh, Reuben Hurricane Carter's story, he was uh, convicted for murder. And um, there were Canadians who helped get him out of uh, prison because he was wrongfully accused. Well, those Canadians were people who we actually know who were friends from uh, a company called Big It Up, like the hat company in Toronto. Back in the 70s, they were like radicals. And they, were, they knew that this man was innocent and they fought to get him out of, of prison. It was a big story in the 70s, 80s. And um, they turned it into a movie. It was a motion picture where Denzel was nominated for an Oscar. And because those people... Uh, we're Canadian, they were from Toronto, and they were fans of a song I wrote back in the days called Stick to Your Vision, which is a very motivational uh, song. They wanted me to write a song like that. So, you know, at the end of the movie, when the credits roll, and it's like that powerful, anthemic song at the end. Well, yeah, so I wrote a song called Perseverance. Everybody liked it. It was supposed to be the last song. But then at the last minute, like, something must have happened where it got pulled. And they never used it. They used some other song. And once I found that out, that really broke my heart because this was the time the soundtrack was ill. They had Common. He was on the soundtrack. They had like Black Thought. He was on the soundtrack. I think like Man's Like Mo's Deaf. Um, a lot of artists. Were, and it would have been a great, it would have been a great look for me right there at that, that pivotal point of my career, you know? And once that didn't happen, that, that, Man, my, my heart broke, man. I, I was like, I didn't feel like doing this anymore. I, I was so deflated because this was like a break that I needed. This was a break that I wanted. Um, and, you know, it just didn't, when that didn't come through, I felt like, you know, like giving up, you know? I really felt like, you know, stop doing what I'm doing altogether. Maybe I'm wasting my time with this. Um, and, you know, doors closed on me before throughout the years, but. I guess this one right here kind of stung the most because my song was dope. The peoples who loved it, you know, it was a part of it. Like the last thing uh, Denzel said in prison while he was getting out playing Hurricane Carter was, hate put me in here, but love is going to get me out. Because we saw it before the movie was really released to public. So 
I was like, wow, that's an ill hook I'm going to write. I'm a man Quadro from Ghetto Concept. He came up with a rhythm. I had my man Wade O'Brown sing the hook. The hook was powerful, and those words resonated. He put us in here. The love is going to get us out, you know? And um, I thought it was real powerful. And, and but man, I was so deflated, man, when I didn't get it. That really hurt me. As a matter of fact, when the movie came out, I didn't even want to see the movie because <laughs> I wanted to, I didn't want to see the movie because I wanted to hear what song. I didn't want to hear what song they use at the, at the end, you know? This was a type of song that could have been like, you know, an Oscar winning song, a nominated, whatever, you know? And um, so, yeah, I definitely didn't feel like rhyming no more. I felt like it's a rap. I felt like, um, you know, but what happened with that is that one of the executive producers, his name is Rudy Langley's of the movie. So years later, you know, I started getting the film and TV, started doing a lot of acting. Then there was doing the, there was the movie called Redemption starring Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx played Stan Tookie Williams. So when I went into the audition, the man Rudy Langley was like, yo, isn't that Maestro? The same guy we, we, we liked years ago who did that joint, um, was tr- we were trying to get a song in the movie for uh, Hurricane? Yo, let me tell you something. After Rudy Langley saw my audition, that's how I got my part in the movie that I co-starred in that movie with Jamie Foxx. So one door closed, another door open. So you can get deflated and, and discouraged, but it's light at the end of the tunnel because you will be rewarded for the time you put in. It could be, you could be rewarded in, in a way that you never even thought, you know, or a time when you haven't thought. Because who are we? We could pay for things. We're not authorized to tell, to, to tell the Most High when he should give us our gifts or rewards, you know what I mean? We ain't qualified for that. Who, who, who are we to say, pray for something, and it must happen right now. It could happen in the time when you least expect it, man. You know, I wasn't trying to back then. I, I was just pissed that I didn't get my, my joint in the movie. <laughs> you know, next thing I know, I'm skinning teeth. You know, I'm fourth credited in the Jamie Foxx movie. How, how does that? And that's the movie that he bust right before he did Ray. That's before he bust. Because he played Cookie Williams. And then after that, Ray. Then, then, then it was on a popping. But how cool is that? That just shows me in life that, you know, when one door closes, the next door opens. So I showed you how I was down. Trust me, I didn't feel like rhyming after that. But then look what happened. Other doors started opening. Talk about a story of resilience. And on top of that, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes that people seek only the glory. And really, that's obviously what our show is all about. Like, who would have known that you went through something like that? And obviously... You must have been down because, I mean, and I could see why you wouldn't even want to see the movie because why would you want to even hear who got chosen over you when you specifically wrote the song for that part in that movie? So, but your bounce back game was, was strong. And on top of that, as you said, when one door closes, the other door opens and probably that's where you were supposed to be. So, Wes, I have a question for you. How do you know when something is no longer serving you? And how, when do you stop it? When you know something's not serving you no more, how to stop it? Um, well, I will say this, just to, to, to summarize what I'm saying. Um, you don't want to make your passion your liability. Okay? You know, like, you know, when we hear certain man's like, they got no plan B, that's great for them. Me, I, man, I got plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, 
especially when you got youths, you know what I mean? So, so to me, it's like, don't let your passion be your liability. And I'm saying that because, you know, everything we spoke about so far is music based. And I just showed you how I transcended into doing something outside of music. And that showed me that I was, I was, um, I was on the right track. But a lot of times, you know, artists, you know, they, they use their, what, you know, what they think they're supposed to be doing as, as something that's going to elevate them. They're not peeping certain signs of maybe they should just like, you know, have contingency plans. You feel me? So it's important to have contingency plans. I don't care who you are. It's very, very important. That way you can enjoy doing what you're doing. You see what I'm saying? So certain things may not serve you. Maybe it ain't serving you because you're, you're putting too much emphasis in it and you're, you're distract, which is distracting you from other things that you, you could be doing. But if you learn how to compartmentalize, you can still work on your music, but just take care of certain things first. You see what I'm saying? Then you could always work on your music. There was a point in time, there was 13 years between me putting out albums. 13 years, from 2000 to 2013. I, I didn't put out an album. Yeah, yeah, I put out like a compilation here. I sprinkle one or two tunes there, whatever like that. But considering who I am, 13 years is like a, almost a decade and a half. I'm not put, and so what? All I know is when I bust, I bust hard. Like, you know I mean, when I came back, I came back heavy. You see what I'm saying? And what did I do in the meantime? I co-starred on like, you know, four TV shows. Um, I did movies. I was in that movie Paid in Full. I was in that movie Honey. Um, you know, I did a lot of stuff, you know, and uh, I also wrote a book called Stick to Your Vision. So between that time right there, it wasn't like I was loafing or I gave up. I was just working on different things, which when you look at it from an overall perspective, it's expanding uh, my overall brand. You feel me? So certain things might not serve you at one perspective, but what are you learning? What did you learn from becoming an MC? What did I learn? I learned the points of preparation and I learned the importance of repetition. So then I started acting, you know, I brought that with me. You see what I'm saying? So with music, yeah, I'm going to continue doing music, but maybe I just chill from that. Maybe I don't have to, to be on such a, a, a timeline that's not really conducive of how I'm supposed to be moving. You feel me? So those are things you have to, to look at. You got to tap into yourself and figure things out and listen to your career, what your career is telling you to do. Now, when it comes to the arts, when it comes to music, we're going to make music forever. We're going to be artists forever. Trust me. You know, I'm, I'm 52 years old. I'm going to make music as long as I feel like doing music, you know, as long as uh, what have you. But I'm going to be doing other things, too, as well. Like, you know, God willing, you know, do my own TV projects, my own film projects. God willing, write a couple more books, you know, do other things as well. So I, I think that's and, and what did I learn from hip hop? Hip hop was the foundation of everything else I'm doing. So you, you develop transferable skills along the way. And that's what I want to tell artists. You know, not everybody's going to be the next Drake or the next Tory Lanez, what have you like that. But what did you learn along the way? You learned the importance of, of uh, the hustle, learned the importance of resiliency along the way, creativity, self-promotion, you know, to a maximum level, right? And these skills could be um, utilized for, you know, your own promotion company or managing artists or your own business outside um, arts and entertainment. You feel me? Hip hop's done so much for me. And that's why I said earlier, it's like, even like who, who brought me up? My parents, but yo, like my teachers, man, like my grade four teacher, 
I'll never forget that. My grade six teacher, I'm going to never forget that. You see me? So was it meant for me to be the, the, the super rapper, dapper, snapper guy? Who knows? You know? But I'm evolving. And I'll make music when I feel like making music. You know? So as opposed to I have to because it's a liability. And that's what I don't want artists to do. I don't want them to um feel that they have to um put themselves in a realm like that. You know? Hey. Wes, how do you know who to trust? That's a vague question. That's a very broad question. But you have to um you gotta tap into yourself. And there's a saying, if you don't know the history of the author, you don't know what you're reading. So when you listen to somebody speak and they're telling you something, where's it coming from? What's their motive? You know, all these things will help you along the way. You can examine, re-examine, and then cross-examine everything. And from that, you'll be able to see through a lot of stuff. You feel me? So that's hard right there, but you have to um, you have to really re-examine everything. And just, just think, when somebody tells you something, where are they coming from? You know, what's their motive? So I'll give a little more depth on that. So say you, for example, you trusted someone and they disappointed you. How do you overcome, how have you overcome from hurt in the past? How I overcome from hurt? Like, I'm, I'm a different, I'm, I'm a different guy. Am I, allowed, am I allowed to use profanity on this page or no? <laughs> as safe as it can be. Because you see me, I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm a very, um, resourceful individual i developed an app which i'm very proud of the app is called go f yourself and i'm very proud of this app the app is um something that if somebody comes to me in a realm that i'm not feeling i just put on the app wow all of a sudden everything is working for me see how amazing this is (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's like it's like energies are out there will try to to keep you back um me coming up i never had like a lot of people older than me showed me what to do. So it was like, I learned a lot of, from an early age, people will disappoint you because people didn't really know how to give love, you know? And from that, seeing certain, certain things. And I've developed a thick, some thick skin. And, and um, that's the type of person I am where it's like, if, I, if I'm rocking with you and it's not going to work, it's cool, man. Some ways I was going to, I'll stick to myself, stick to your vision, stick to my vision, make it happen. You know, so I, I suggest that people, you know, when you're dealing with people, just try to find their motive. You know, I remember um, people give you gifts, gifts, gifts come with a price. You know what I mean? I keep that in mind, too. I remember Drake was saying down on the track that Jay-Z was telling them, like, I think it was the first Drake album. Jay-Z said, watch out for the favors, man. You just got to read like, you know, it's like if you don't know the history of the author, you know what you're reading. So you got to look at people and be like, why are they doing this specifically? Why are they doing that specifically? Why? Like what, what, what their motive? Unfortunately, we live in a time where we have to be cynical. we got to protect our inner core, you know? But um, I think we should really tap into ourselves though the most. And there's so much answers within ourselves that will help us go forth and forward. What makes you tick? What makes me tick? What makes me tick? What do you mean by that? Like, what makes me, gives me energy to, to, what, to do what I do? What, what's like your pet peeve? Like the thing that sends you sideways? Oh, um, lately is when people come to me like, well, I guess this is the new normal. <laughs> 
like where's the testicular fortitude in accepting this normalcy without trying to fight for solutions or, or look for and seek solutions? It bothers me, Kim. It's like imagine our ancestors on a plantation and it's hot out there, man. Sweating like a hot like this weekend in the past. And you have like a dad and his youth and they're picking cotton. And the youth says to his dad, like, yo, dad, I'm tired, man. And imagine the dad, all he could tell the youth is, well, get ready to continue doing what we're doing, son, because this is the new normal. Where would we be if 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 that was the like the 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 attitude or the direction, the subservient um energy out there? Where would we be right now if we weren't we didn't have like our ancestors looking for solutions. So that really ticks me off where it's like people are just accepting um, mediocrity. They're just accepting everything people tell you. They're not re-examining everything, man. You got to examine, re-examine, and cross-examine everything. And as a black man, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're, we're the greatest. I'm sorry, man. We No, I'm not sorry. Greatest, man, you know, and everything, you know? And there's a saying, effective efforts have been made to control our stories so if effective efforts have been made like listen to what i've been telling you like i'm one of the main reasons why every company canada developed a black music department you know a lot of people a lot of people got jobs because of me you know but bothered people to call it black so they call it urban so you dilute my potency you know from what i've accomplished that's very similar to like ancient africa or ancient egypt like why the facial features of the of of these monuments defaced because people don't want you to see your true greatness. You know what I mean? So remember that effective efforts have been made to control your stories. If you can control somebody's story, you control how they think. If you control how they think, that means you basically got them under hypnosis to have them centuries after centuries saying, okay, well, I guess this is the new normal, as opposed to remembering the greatness you come from, remembering what we, we, we sacrificed to be where we're at, where certain things, at least we try to fight, at least try to find solutions, man. So that's a pet peeve I have, especially right now, where people aren't trying to um, tap into where we came from before, remembering where we came from before, and remembering that there's efforts have effectively been made to um, control our stories, man. If you know people are controlling your story, you're gonna, you, you know they're going to make you forget about how great you are, you know? And you got to never forget that. When you, when, you, when you bring up the next generation, you got to let these kids know, these young men, young women know they're the sadness of greatness, as opposed to accepting everything the way it is. You know, like, let's look, at least try to find um, solutions, man. But don't tell me this is, is I, I got to accept this, man. No, what's that, you know? That's kind of where my head is at. That's, a, that's a, a tick. It's just like you working out. Imagine you trying to train somebody and they're like, oh, well. This is, I can't stand that, man. I can't stand it. It bothers me when people ain't striving to be their best. But then I got to listen to what I just said to you. If you don't know the history of the author, you don't know what you're reading. What made you so strong the way you are, Kim? What made me so strong the way I am to have this type of resiliency? A lot of people don't have our personal stories, but we got to try to remember that too as well as we try to um, encourage them. And, and the best thing we're doing, though, is just trying to lead by example. And that's what I, I try to do. So, yeah, man. Okay, well, we definitely found what makes you tick for sure. How has COVID? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
how has COVID uh, impacted your life right now in, in terms of entertainment? Man, I got some fresh playlists I made on Spotify. My, my playlists are dope, man. I got, I got some, my, my playlists are nice. Um, I've been watching, I've been catching up on some Netflix. I didn't know how dope Sons of Anarchy really is, man. I'm on season three, man. That's a dope series. Um, <laughs> I watched that movie, um, Marshall, um, was dope. I watched, um, Marshall was a really good movie. That's when Chadwick Boseman plays, um, he plays Thurgood Marshall, which is a very good movie. I encourage people to watch. Um, I just seen him do the James. I finally saw the James Brown movie that he was when he played James Brown. He was dope in that too. But uh, the third good yeah, like playlist, um, musically is dope. But like Netflix, I've been watching some good things that you can see the messages coming out in that. So I've been I've been doing that a lot as well. In terms of COVID, I've been trying to work out as much as I can. Um, just trying to um, nobody's one hundred percent okay. I don't care who you are. We're all struggling to one capacity or the other because it's always that what's tomorrow going to bring us type thing. So I try to start my day off, you know, just trying to um, clear my mind. And I do that by, you know, trying to work out uh, if I can. And um, no real major, major set schedule or routine, but just know that my endorphins are in full throttle and I'm feeling great. And now I can turn on my laptop. Now I can turn on my um, my phone. Now I could be um, bombarded with misinformation because I feel my immune system is protected. I feel like my spirit is protected. And I, I encourage everybody, that's what you got to do, like protect your spirit, you know, going forth and forward, you know? Good stuff. So, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's been a journey for everyone and I agree with you. Not everybody is 100% okay. Um, and, you know, some of us mask it better than others, but it definitely, in through these unprecedented times, it's really been uh, a challenge in navigating it. And obviously, the self-care portion of that is essential. Um, and I'm glad that you spoke on that because, you know, anybody that is even trying to remotely make it at this time, it is critical to protect your spirit, protect your energy. And I mean, you've done a great job of that. I've seen your workouts. I've seen you moving. And then even by sharing it on your platform, it's helping to motivate and inspire others as well. So good for you for at least taking that time just to even mind yourself and mind your mind, which is super important at this time. So on throughout that- the years, told well, me, I was going to say, sorry to, sorry to interject. I'm saying throughout the years, people told me uh, I've motivated them. So if anybody, if people- ever needed motivation it would be around these times too as well right so how cool is it that people see me trying to um build myself up hopefully that encourages them too you know absolutely good stuff so on that note we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back tired of being tired seeking to build your self-confidence are you feeling uncomfortable in your skin it's time to move with Kim. Studies have shown that in this era of exponential growth of the metabolic syndrome and obesity, lifestyle modifications have been proven to be one of the most effective ways to improve your health and quality of life. Let's chat about your goals and how we will get you there. Send your inquiries to hello at kimniles.com and let's start conditioning your mental and physical health today.
Welcome back to the Make Your Mark talk show. We are having some amazing conversation today with a legend, Mr. Wesley Williams, a.k.a. Maestro Fresh West. So, Wes, you just gave us, like, we found out what made you tick, that's for sure. <laughs> the new normalcy. Uh, and which you have a very good point as to, you know, us at just accepting status quo is not sufficient. And I totally, totally agree with you. So now we're going to kind of take a little bit of turn with, you kind of walked into it a little bit at the end of the last segment, talking about how you've been really taking care of yourself more during these times. So how, what support systems do you use, especially in times when you feel like your energy is going low, people that you call on, resources that you use to really mind your mind and take care of yourself? I lock off from certain friends, unfortunately, if they if if their dialogue is not moving where I need it to be, I can't I can't rock with you as much as I used to right now because I need to be on point for my my son. I need I need my faculty and you know you got to remember like like the information they're giving us right now is evoking emotions for specific agendas and stuff like that, right? So that's affecting everybody. I remember like a few like last month or the month before when um. Rest in peace when the brother passed away. You know, George Floyd, people were just over here, like strong people were just phoning, going like really emotional. Like, you know, it caused a lot, of, <laughs> it caused a lot of rift between families and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, we really just got to reassess everything, examine, re examine, and cross examine every single thing that's coming at you right now, you know? And why are things coming at you? how they're coming at you. These are things you have to look and how, 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 you're, you're, how are these things affecting people around you? You know, you can, you know, a lot of people ain't well as, as red as I am, you know, um, what, what one person called woke, the next person might not call woke. It's like one person think they gangster. When you call a gangster, the next man think is gangsters, two totally different things. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're just being bombarded with a lot of information at this specific time. I really have to protect my spirit. So I try to be economic when I speak to my friends, you know, if they're not on the same page as me. You know, why are we so um, quick to talk about U.S. politicians more than we talk about our Canadian politicians right here? You know, why is the first thing out of our mouths, U.S. politicians and U.S. the situation over there ignoring the scenarios that we have right here in Canada? Yeah, I get it. You know, America coughs. We, we sneeze or, you know what I mean? Or, or have you, because we're so close geographically, but we have so much problems and, and, and things right here, Kim, that when people I'm talking to are ignoring those things and they're just concentrating on what have you that, over there, south of the border, and, and, and because they're distracted from things right here, I have to just remove myself from certain things because I have to, um, I got to stay focused for me, you know? And that's the way I lead by example, you know? So I'm going to there for a second, Wes, and I'll just yeah. share a really quick story with you. So God rest his soul, George Floyd, when the situation happened, I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was hideous, just insipid that some other human could treat another human being like that. But I have been, and I think I probably shared this a little bit with you last year, I might've reached out to you and Last year, with all the gun violence happening in the city, 
I literally went before a board of teachers, spoke to them about having a conference on educating young people on not necessarily educating them on gun violence, but providing a support system for them. Uh, because I felt like our kids were suffering. I was going into classrooms and kids would come to me and they tell me, you know, my friend was shot, my cousin was shot. We had all these different situations happening. And I felt like nobody was listening. I really did. And when the George Floyd thing happened, I, I thought to myself, okay, I get it. My heart goes out to them. I get the whole situation. But at the same time, as Canadians, we, we were mourning a situation that we that we pretty much experience every day. Here in our own city, we have mothers that are suffering in silence because they've lost their, their sons to gun violence on the street. They're suicidal. We have families just suffering every day. We have... We have people, even we had a, recently, we had this rapper that was gunned down downtown and whatever came of that, I don't, I believe it was Houdini. I don't even think I've heard anything from that aside from media making a joke about his name on the front page. And we thought that was okay. So I totally hear you. And to be honest, I actually had put up a post, um, a few days later, and I, it, it did say, I said, you know, I understand what's happening across the river, but let's not take away from what's happening here at home. And the lashback I got for that, people were like, it's insensitive. And I'm thinking it's insensitive, but my brother could have died on the street. And because somebody's in the U.S., I like, I feel more empathetic to, than the person here that I can touch. I could have been the one. My brother could have been the one crossing. Let me, Let me tell you something. I didn't see what you wrote, but it doesn't seem like you're being disrespectful at all. It was. I got, oh, I got it. I got it. They, you have to remember though, watch, effective efforts have been made to control our stories. Yeah. Remember those words. That, those are the words. I didn't come up with that. That's Zanena Akande. Look her up. Zanena Akande. That's who I learned that from. And once you remember that, things will start making sense. Effective efforts have been made to control our stories. That means what our stories are Canadian stories. Our stories are being controlled because we're bombarded with U.S. stories. Okay, that 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 right there, we're being evoked with, with American stories, right? So how dare you say make sense, Kim? How dare you say something against that? When people, like I said, if you can control people's stories, you can control how they think. If you control how they think, that means you can control their emotion. If you control their emotion, when you come and you say something so sensible, it's going to evoke an emotion, okay, that you will have backlash because we're sheep right now. People ain't thinking for themselves right now. We got to examine, cross-examine everything. We got to examine, re-examine, then cross-examine. If we don't do that, we're going to be lost. If they were just to like really take time and cross-examine, What's going on? When they read your your uh, your statement, they'd understand. Do you see what I'm saying? But they didn't because our our stories have been controlled. When you control someone's story, you control how they think, and you can control their emotion. That was all emotion that you had to deal with, as opposed of into, in, in, intellect. Your intellect. You know, people people should have said, "I seen your point." Even if they didn't agree with what you said, I see your point. Um, such and such, whatever, like that. So you can see. So you could build on it. But backlash, you shouldn't have had backlash on that. What's wrong with that? You did, you did nothing wrong with that. That could have been you. Like you said, that could have been your brother. But that's what I said. Please write down that quote, man. That quote, it was so effective. It's so important to me. 
that when I'm receiving information, I got to take it in because I know every effort has been made to control my story. Me being, like I said, helping um, labels develop black music departments indirectly, but the word black is turned into urban. I gave that scenario and I gave that example of ancient Egypt. My son is doing a project in ancient Egypt. You know what I'm saying? But when I take him to the, to, to the, to the reference library in Toronto, why is the ancient Egypt section in a totally different section in ancient Africa? Why? Because effective efforts have been made to control our stories. You control someone's story, you control how they think. So if you can control someone's story, you can make somebody hate you. You, you, could, you could have people hate themselves, man, because you're controlling their stories. You're controlling how they think. There's nothing wrong with what you said with that. But because people are sheep, because people didn't take time to take it in, that's how you're dealing with right now. You're dealing with people who are under control, under hypnosis. And you have to understand <laughs> that there's nothing wrong with what you said. I know. And at that point, I, I felt to myself, like, am I the only one? Like, you have that moment of, like, really? Am I the only one that sees this? It's not that I'm being insensitive. And there was no disregard for what happened. It was just, like, how does it not hurt you at the core? Every time we turn on, last night, the last thing before I saw, before I went to bed, Jane and Steele's another shooting. A young lady didn't even want to be identified on the news. And she's talking about, I'm looking at the body on the floor and I'm telling him to hang in. And I'm, I, I'm just thinking that could be me. How does those voices not bother you? But Wes, I want to ask you one more question on our self-care tip. Have you had any mentors in your life that's really helped to guide you through tough times? If I mentor, like, depends what's up. Like, right now, I don't have too much help on that note around here. A lot of times it's just me. But throughout life, I've had a lot of mentors, man, directly and indirectly. Like, shout out to Ron Nelson on that level. He was a mentor to me. My father, he's been great. You know, my son, <laughs> even though he's younger than me, you know, I spent a lot of time reading. I spent a lot of time. Chuck D from Public Enemy, you know, he was a mentor to me coming up because I learned how to compartmentalize dealing with fans, dealing with media, dealing with, um, upcoming artists, um, and just be a professional. And I'm proud to say that my book, Stick to Your Vision, I got Chuck to write the forward for. How cool is that? You know, so he's been a mentor to me. Um, and I just look at him because, you know, that's like the most important hip hop group of all time. And he's, they're still doing music. So when I see that and they're older than me, that shows me too, I could still do music. And when you do music, you have an opportunity to say something. So why not? Try a thing. Say something. You might inspire somebody. And Kim, that's what I've tried to do in all my projects. Try to say a little something. If you look through all my music, even if you don't like my thing, you'll see that there's like certain gems that were dropped that are that are really um, poignant and really um, relevant and timely right now. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's super important to have mentors, especially as a young person growing up. It just helps. It's a point of contact. It's someone that you know, the external eyes outside of you is so, because sometimes we have a certain perception of ourselves, yeah. and get someone else to really shed some light as to, no, things may appear this way to you, but here's some experience, which is golden in my opinion. And here's how you can apply it. Not necessarily that you want the person to be like, I've got, I'm never a mentor for me personally, that I always, I try to shape people to be like me, but I want you to be the best you. That's all we can do, man. Experiences that could really help to just kind of guide you on the right path. So, Wes, we've been having such great conversation. You've dropped so many bombs today. I wanted just to get into kind of wrapping things up now. 
kind of giving us a little, leaving a little bit of that knowledge with us, but starting more so on the premise of, you know, what are things that you wish you knew earlier? When you sit back now at 52, looking back, what are things you wish you knew earlier and things that you would change that you could leave with our young people today? Uh, I wish I knew earlier the importance of reading. I wish I knew earlier the importance of, like, like I said, uh, examining and cross-examining information that's been given to, to me and to my community. I think that's something that um, I, I fell off with a lot. Like, I, to me, I had a good base of knowledge of self. But just being, uh, you know, a young kid coming up in Toronto, I'm distracted like everybody else, you know, coming up, you know. I had great parents, thank God, you know. Um, but at the same time, too, is like there's obstacles out there that are put in there for us to fail. And if I knew better, I would have like read more. I would have been more knowledgeable with certain things. You know, you see what I'm saying? Knowing that a lot of times people don't want you to know how great you really can be or your true potential. You know, that's why I keep on saying, like, when you control somebody's story, you can control how they think about themselves. And if you control how they think about themselves, you can control their their actual potential. You could stunt their growth. So a lot of times I felt like, you know, if I if I spent more time, you know, reading more, um, that might have helped me learn more. You know, that way I could help my community more. And nowadays, you know, I encourage kids because or young people because there's more distractions right now than ever than when I came up. So we really just got to reassess. And I really encourage uh, critical thinking right now. That's what's going to save us. And that's what's going to save the next generation to be able to critically reassess certain things, um, reevaluate. And just remember, we, we, you know, we're descendants of greatness. Respect. And well, how what would be your definition of success? I mean, that's that's a broad thing. But I would say that when I leave this 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 physical frame right now, then people look back and be like, you know what? He did something awesome. You know, when my son, who's 11 years old right now, when, you know, he could look back when he's a grown man and be like, yo, my dad was great. You know, that'd be awesome. My father's just about to celebrate his 80th birthday, man. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to go buy some drinks. <laughs> I'm going to go, you know what I mean? We about to party, man. Like, you know, and, and that's someone I look up to my father like that. You see me? So I want, and I could say he was a great man. And that's what I want from, from my son. So when he grows up, he'd be like, yo, he remembers all the things I did with him, all the things I did for him to help him mold into the man that he's going to be. And to me, that's success right there. Because these young minds, these young kids, these young people did not ask to be here. So if we can't protect them, that means we fail as a community. So to me, success is when they do greatness and when they strive for greatness. That's success to me. Education versus street sense. You know, so very important, man. It's like you got to be smart and you just got to know, like Rakim said, you got to know the ledge. And sometimes we got to walk away from certain things and you got to tap into your own self and realize, you know, there's pitfalls out there. You feel me? Absolutely. So would you choose book smart, book smart or street smart? You need both. I can't choose either or. It's like you need both. You need street smarts, of course, to live and survive. But, but book smarts, on top of that, that's, I mean, look at Malcolm X. Malcolm X had street smarts and book smarts. You see what I'm saying? Marcus Garvey, the same thing. It's like we got to, streets is one thing to know and be intuitive into your own self and knowing your neighborhood, knowing what have you. But if you want to make a difference, it's good to know, like, you know, 
to have book smarts too as well. I, I think it shouldn't be either or. I think they should move cohesively together to build you to be the, to the best version of yourself. Amazing. And just as we begin to wrap up, Wes, what would be one thing you would tell a young man or a woman right now that is wanting to become the next hip hop artist? I would tell them, don't make records, make history. Because anybody can make a record, but by making history is when you do something and you say something that people check for you years and years and years later. I just became the first MC to perform at a drive-in. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, performed, I just did a show at a drive-in in Edmonton, which was awesome. People were in their cars, they were honking, and it wasn't because of road rage, because they loved the music. And then I just did one, another one a minute ago and uh, with Carl Wolf and Carter now. Now, if I wasn't, if I was just an artist who just made records, people would have forgot about me a long time ago. But because of the impact I made back in the days, and I, I continue to like, like maintain that brand and maintain that, people will continue to check for me as we go forth and forward. So um, that's something very, very important. Don't make records, make history. When you sit down and you have time to do something, instead of being trying to be good at it, strive to, for greatness. Good stuff. So Wes, how can our viewers reach you and how can they get your book? Stick to your vision. Stick to your vision. Go on Amazon. You can check that out. Um, and uh, you can reach me on all of my platforms, Maestro Fresh Wes. And it's an honor to be on this, this platform with you, Kim. Thanks for, for um, having me. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for showing up for us. And, you know, thank you for all the work that you've done in laying the path in history so our young people now can have even a chance coming from a place of when you did it, you couldn't even start here. You had to cross the border in order to get started. So thank you for all the work that you have done and you continue to do as you evolve into the best you. So thank you. Thank you to all of our viewers for watching today. We appreciate you. Make sure to follow us on makeyourmark.ca across all platforms. And till we meet again. You've been listening to the Make Your Mark podcast. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at makeyourmark.ca. And please subscribe, rate, and review.